0: goblins and ghouls and welcome to another episode of my haunted life podcast with me your host Angela Hartshorn. I have missed you guys so very much. I hope wherever you find yourself you are in a nice warm safe place surrounded by loved ones and nowhere near some of the characters we are talking about tonight. I don't have a whole lot of housekeeping to tell you guys about I will say I have some very cool interviews coming up that will either be announced or at least teased in the Facebook group. I love doing this in the Facebook group because it gives the members a chance to ask questions and a lot of the time they are answered by the interviewee. So that's always fun. And a lot of times the one that asked the question gets a little bit of a shout out. And I highly recommend you go and do it because, yeah, there's some really cool uh, interviews coming up. And I can't wait to get them out to you guys, including today's podcast. So let's get into it, shall we? Grab yourself a cup of tea. Make sure the doors are locked and the sage is close by. I have a story to tell you. It's December! That means it's time to start really getting into the holiday spirit, whatever that means to you. Traditionally, we picture pretty twinkling lights, sleigh bells, perhaps even some snow, depending on where you are. It's usually a time to curl up with loved ones and enjoy a cup of hot chocolate and watch Love Actually for the tenth millionth of time. But that wasn't always the case. The Yuletide season for ancient people was a very scary time and immensely difficult to survive through. You, If you didn't prepare well enough or had a bad harvest, there was no assurance you could make it through. There weren't any close and convenient stores to run out to to get something or... On-call medical aid if something happened, it was a dark and fearsome time. It just makes sense that during this, these people would personify these natural occurrences as abominable monsters set to cause nothing but havoc for you and your family. On today's podcast, I talked to Kedrick Olson, about some of these Yuletide troublemakers. Next week episode is actually a continuation of this one with Kedrick because there's just so many to cover. After a quick word from our sponsor, we'll be back and going to get into all of the festive shenanigans. today's podcast, I have Kedrick Olson, who is an internationally renowned author, speaker, and teacher who specializes in runes, Norse mysticism, pagan men's spirituality, and resolving paranormal problems. As an ardent student of Old Norse literature and spirituality, his focus has been upon the runes and magical practices. To uncover secrets lying at the heart of Norse mysticism, which directly correlate to modern understandings of the psyche and behavior. Hello, Mr. Kajerak. How are you
1: tonight? Hey, Angela. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Are you freezing up there?
1: A little bit. I've got the heater on in a building where there is no heat because it's my special ritual chamber, but I've got a heater cranking, so it's not too bad.
0: Okay, good, because as soon as you said you didn't have heat, I'm like, dude, really?
1: Oh, no, don't worry about it. Okay. It's warm in here.
0: That's all that matters, because, yeah, for those who aren't in Colorado with us right now, it's, I think, a lovely, like, 13 degrees tonight, so (laughs) it, it should be fun, which totally sets the atmosphere for what we're talking about today, since you have this wonderful knowledge of Norse. Um, folklore, we're going to talk about some of the really fun and slightly dark uh, characters that come out this time of year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited because the way uh, this comes out, it'll be out Thursday, which is right about Krampusnach, so that's why it worked out really well.
1: Perfect, then. Yeah, Krampusnacht is, uh, tends to be the day before St. Nicholas' Feast, which St. Nicholas' Feast is the 6th, but Krampusnacht we make on the 5th of December.
0: That, that's my favorite. I, I'm all about beating children. That's, like, one of my favorite
1: things. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Too many years in education. So, okay, for anybody who doesn't know, can you tell us
1: Who is Krampus? What is Krampus? Uh, Krampus is a fun little demonic anti-Santa. It's uh, a character mostly found in the mainland European uh, Germanic countries. You know, it's really big in Austria and in the Alpine places. The original thought of where maybe it came from is that we're going to talk about different ancient, ancient pagan traditions, but at this time period, way back in the heathen days, people would dress up like animals as part of ceremonial processes, and they would dance around and cavort and get crazy. And then as part of Christians coming in, right, they demonized this anthropomorphized animal. And they go, well, You if we've got this horned beast, we've got this antlered beast, that must be the devil. And this is where we finally get into that Krampus image as being demonic. And, of course, you know, St. Nicholas is the one who loves children and gives children the gifts and takes care of children. And if Krampus is the anti-demonic Santa, therefore Mm -hmm. he must be hating children and beating children and Roughing them up and giving them a hard time.
0: I love that. Um, to, it, it's such a, it's such a weird thing that it's become so popular again. Like it's had, like Krampus has had this resurgence. He's had a movie based off of him recently. Uh, you see the videos of the uh, parades in town. Unfortunately, not here, but. Why do you think people are trying to
1: connect to that now? It's a very interesting question. I'm wondering sometimes if it's not part of the uh, resurgence, I I would say probably even maybe the third wave of the resurgence of the Germanic and Norse culture that is coming through. You know, people are really interested in the Vikings TV show. Mm -hmm. People are now going out to the Vinox the christmas market the german christmas markets and we're seeing a lot of the the germanic cultures building up throughout the u.s now and along with that comes some of these fun things like krampus and you're right here in denver i haven't seen a a, a decent krampus uh parade you know people running around with the birch twigs beating each other and threatening to steal children away
0: i mean i'm all for that i i really am um but it, I don't know, it just seems like just such,
1: I shouldn't say a fun tradition, it sounds like a terrifying tradition, really. But well, that's one of the things I hope we get into, is some of these Germanic uh, and Norse traditions for the Yuletide, were not peace, love, and light, fluffy bunny, and make things all happy oh. and peaceful, this was like, scare the hell out of your children, and so, I mean one of the things that I really loved before I found the Krampus and the whole legend of it I used to tease the kids that Santa has two bags that he carries with him one is all the good toys for you know the toys for the good boys and girls that that behaved well but then there's the other bag for the bad boys and girls who didn't behave and then Santa will snatch you up out of your bed while you're sleeping, take you up to the North Pole force you to make toys for all the good kids where the, because they don't have any child labor laws and you can't get out of it and then sure enough I'm studying Krampus and that's one of the things that Krampus does is for the mostly bad children they'll get beaten by the birch twigs but for the really bad kids, he's got a cage or a basket that he snatches the kids away so that they never see their parents or homes ever again. And that was enough to frighten some of these kids into behaving. You know, it's not like you're getting a lump of coal in your stocking for Christmas. No, you're going to get beaten and then taken away. I mean, that's awesome, right?
0: I love that. I, I feel like like our fairy tales, like, I mean, not even fairy tales, but like the folklore way back when was always so dark. And then as things industrialized, it became sweeter and lighter, and you have different types of fairies, and everybody's happy and stuff. And I feel like that uh, loss of uh, connection with nature is really where part of that comes from.
1: Oh, absolutely. And if you read the original Grimm's Fairy Tales- Oh my God. They don't end up nice and happy and Disney ish, and everybody's not happy and singing happy little songs and happy little birds landing and playing with you. No, 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 no. People are horrible state. They really
0: <laughs> are. Uh, I do feel before um, we keep talking about cramp, uh, Krampus, I'm going to try to say it with the correct, correct uh, pronunciation, which I will butcher. The rest oh, it's all then, good. I promise. Uh, we, I feel like we have to throw a shout out to Miss Phelan, your daughter, who wrote on the Facebook group and said that you used to torture them with these stories. So you would be the perfect one to talk to for this.
1: Well, hey, I've got to keep up the old Norse Yule tradition somehow, <laughs> right? <laughs> I
0: <I'd> love it. <laughs> so yeah, Crampus is, is, was just. There's so many other iterations, like there's even um, these pictures, I I believe they're Victorian pictures of a women dressed up as Krampus, now that are floating around. And uh, they didn't torture children, they tortured bad men. (laughs) And so there's always that, like, (laughs) uh, taking out some kind of vengeance on poorly behaved people
1: and I love that and that was part of one of the uh first revivals of the old Germanic traditions was the the Krampus cards that came out Krampus carton that came out in the Victorian era to really celebrate Krampus and bring that home because you know when the printing press got out there and people started making Christmas cards that language wasn't really fully formed, so that's why you see some of these really, really bizarre Christmas images. And th- then, of course, they started incorporating Krampus, and definitely the women. I- I've seen the the woman Krampus recently, and I, I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. Yes. you know, the men get out of line, and you got the the woman Krampus there. Which, when we get to it, there is a a, a female version of Krampus in the icelandic tradition so there it's, is there really is i don't know this Ooh. oh yeah yeah so it to have this uh demonic anti-santa in feminine form very very traditional
0: oh that's so cool I, do, do you know off the top of your head her name or
1: anything gorilla Christmas witch. Absolutely. She's been known to steal children around the Yule time so that she can eat them. (laughs) So it's the same kind of concept. She comes down from the frozen north part of Iceland, visiting people's homes and stealing the wayward children away so that she can just gobble them up.
0: And that just makes me happy. Uh, I I mean, I just love... Obviously I love ancient witch folklore. Uh, And to be, like, a nerd, and some people might think that name sounds familiar. She was actually in an episode of the new uh, adventures of, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. She makes a cameo in the, the winter episode, along with the Yule Lads. and. If you're into folklore, it's a really nerdy episode, and it's kind of cute. I hate to say it, but it's kind of fun. So, uh, going back to our main man, Krampus. Krampus. Um, what are some of the traditions practiced around him? Because it's like I know a lot of the folklore, the beating of the children, which I will say five million times because it makes me happy. What, like, what, what are some of the other stuff based around him?
1: Well, if we really, really go back again to the old heathen days, there is a tradition of married couples on their wedding day grabbing birch branches and then beating each other with birch branches. The reason why they would do that, it wasn't like this uh, BDSM have fun <laughs> kind of honeymoon night, although it could turn into that. Yeah, like it, it, it was really because the birch tree represented fertility and feminine growth. And it was a process that they would do as part of a sacred ritual to bless the fertility of their family so they could have children, so they could have abundant growth for their farm and for their money to grow. Now, since we're dealing with people dressing up as animals and cavorting about the fire and engaging in these ungodly pagan rituals by the light of the, by the, light of the Yule moon, right, they would beat each other with the branches, so that, so that carried over from the old heathen practice to the Christianized version of well, if this thing is here to torment kids, so he's going to beat the kids, it just lost its meaning of why they were beating people with a branch it was actually a positive thing to promote yeah. fertility. So of, of course, you know people would try to make their kids scared so that they could behave and then they could do well. But one of the little surviving traditions to try to appease Krampus, to make sure that Krampus didn't torment you or take your children away, is sometimes he could be plied with offerings of schnapps. (laughs) So you could leave the milk and cookies out for Santa, but leave a shot of schnapps for Krampus.
0: Oh my god, that's amazing. I have never heard that. Yeah. Your get-out-of-Krampus free card.
1: (laughs) Yep. <laughs> so, uh, when the night comes up on December 5th, you know, leave out a, a shot of stops for Krampus. Oh
0: my god. That's awesome. I'm going to do that, and I will send you a picture, because now I'm amused. I have to. <laughs> um, so we were talking about, like, the female version, with miss mm-hmm. nice girl. her name Gray, Grayla. Gr- Grayla. Grilla. Great. I can't roll my R's up. Um, oh,
1: I can't roll my R either. think it's like you're saying Gorilla, but you're just smashing it all together. Gorilla.
0: Gorilla. Actually, yeah. that worked. Holy crap.
1: That's um, it. Gorilla. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, I know she goes into, like, the Yule Lads and everything quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. What What's kind of her things? Do we have a get-out-of-gorilla-free card? You don't. Oh.
1: You're screwed.
0: That's a bummer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, to understand gorilla, we have to understand Iceland, especially around Yule time. And so let's take a moment to just talk a bit about what Yule meant in Iceland. We're talking people who live in the northern, the northern part of the world, where during the winter months, they get less and less and less and less sun, mm-hmm. until finally the winter solstice comes around and the sun is gone. There's no sign of the sun. And depending how far north you are, you could actually have weeks where you don't see the sun at all. I mean, just so people with seasonal affective disorder, they're screwed. Yeah. They're gone. Don't live there. And a huge part of the pagan traditions for those who live in the northern times during the Yule season is to keep fires going, to keep lights going so that you can hold vigil against the long night. Because in the Norse custom, when you have three solid years of winter... That is the Fimbel winter that is the great winter that portends the coming of Ragnarok, the end of the world. And that fear rose every Yuletide. That is this, that final time, is this the last time we see the sun? So they would light their fires, they would bring the evergreen trees into the house, mm-hmm. and they would make sure that they kept vigil against the night. This is where we get the Yule log from, is a giant log that they would keep burning in the fire pit, for the whole of winter night, the whole of the winter solstice, until they saw the sun again, then they knew that they held vigil. Mm -hmm. But we're also talking Iceland. It is a very desolate, stark country. There is not very many natural resources. They do not have a lot going on. And so they have to work like crazy through the spring and the summer to get everything taken care of when winter comes. Winter comes, they're shut down, like shut down to the point of not leaving their homes you're you locked in. There's the long hall that everybody stays in and your food is stored in one part of the room. You've got a long hall in the middle, long fire in the middle of a hall, and that's it. You're done. The only thing you have for entertainment is maybe a bit of a music and a lot of storytelling. Lots and lots of storytelling. And these are people connected to the land, connected to their environment, so they really want to feel that connection and that comes through in their storytellings. Now, this is where Gorilla comes in. Right? And all of those fun stories. Because there are these dark, these dank, desolate mountains in the volcanic regions of Iceland. It's just, you know, the land of fire and ice. Where, legends say, the only thing that could live there are these trolls. And the trolls just want nothing but mayhem and malice for humanity. And of course, we got Grilla, who is one of these trolls. And around the Yuletide season, she comes down the mountains. Sometimes the lore says she has 15 tails some lore says she has 40 tails, tails. she's got tails oh. yeah a lot of uh, Germanic and norse folklore when we get to some of these folk creatures the hidden folk they have these really strange animalistic characters like maybe they're hollow from the back they look solid in the front yeah. but you turn around and they're hollow in the back maybe they look normal from the top up or from the bottom down they've got hooved feet and like goat legs just like we hear about the satyrs and that kind of thing so you hear these weird little tales, and with gorilla she's got 15 or 40 tails yeah
0: that is not how she's portrayed
1: on sabrina oh no she's definitely <laughs> ugly she's hideous and even today in iceland when they celebrate gorilla and they have characters of gorilla going around she is like the most horrid looking troll that you could imagine <laughs> she's just ugly hideous <laughs> And it's said that her name means growler, right? Shows up with a horn tail, horn tails, and then a bag that she would toss naughty children. Uh. So here comes those fun tales about not scaring children, or scaring children like crazy with it. And we'll get to the not scaring. Uh, I don't remember what her husband's name. I think it's Lapaldi, Lapaludi, something like that is her husband, but not much is said about him. But together, they have another set of Yule terrors to torment and scare the hell out of children. And that's the Yule Cat and the Yule Lads. Yes! (laughs) So, the Yule Cat. You familiar with Yule Cat?
0: I am a little bit. Like, I know the basics. Um, I don't. I'm like I can paraphrase it real quick, but I know you'll tell it so much better. We actually did get one listener question, and it was about the Yule cat, and I will ask you that Perfect. after you describe it, because it won't make sense until this is description.
1: What's fun? Just like uh, Grilla making herself into Sabrina, and Krampus making himself into uh, some of the American traditions. Yule Cat is finally coming this year to some of the American stuff. Yes. On Netflix, we've got that Chronicles of Santa part two.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's got Yule Cat in it. Does it? Yes. (gasps) I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the trailer for it, and it's got Yule Cat.
0: I know, uh, Burt, Burt, I want to screw it up. Burt, Bursonicle? Burt, Burt, Bursonicle? I'm screwing it up. But it's another one of those, like Krampus. And I know he's in it, and some of my pagan friends are upset because he's portrayed as one of Santa's elves when he's basically... uh, um, I think he's... he might be Dutch. Now I can't remember. But basically the same thing of going around hitting children for being that kind of thing.
1: (laughs) So the legend of Yule Cat is during the dark nights of Yule, the Yule Cat prowls around looking for anyone... Who did not get a gift of clothing for Yule? Oh. So you have to get even a, even if it's a pair of socks or that underwear that you hate getting for Yule. As long as you get some sort of a gift of clothing for Yule, the Yule cat won't eat you. Oh, okay, so what what I um, saw and posted on the um,
0: Facebook podcast group was if you didn't wear your clothes that you got for Christmas, you would get eaten by the Yule Cat. That, and the uh, the listener question, Paola, um, her question was, what happens if you don't get clothes? And you basically just answered that right there. If you don't and get it, clothes, you're screwed. If you don't wear them, you're screwed.
1: And where this legend comes from is, remember how we talked that, during the summer and the spring months, you've got to work like crazy mm-hmm. to get everything taken care of and everything done. This included the flax harvest, which could be spun into to linen for clothes. This included getting the sheep sheared and the wool spun mm-hmm. so that it could be made into clothes. And if you were a farmer at this time period, you were the pinnacle of society. That was the elite, were the farmers. They owned the land, they had the property, they had the livestock, they had all the crops. And they had all of the farm workers. Some were slaves, some were freed people, but they didn't treat slaves like we did American slaves. That was horrendous. It was a different society, a different world. But you still had these quotas that you had to meet. You still had to get the work done for the spring and summer so that everything was ready to go by winter. And part of this telling of not getting close for Yule was you had to finish the wool, Shearing, you had to get the spinning done. You had to get the clothes made so that they could be given for gifts so that the Yule cat wouldn't get you. So it was your motivation to get the work done.
0: Uh, I like that. It's like it's very specific to getting clothes made so the cat doesn't eat you. Yes. The cat's always, is the cat always portrayed as like a giant beast?
1: Yes. Yeah, native to Iceland, there are not really big cats. There's, from what I understand, a couple of little cats, like the lynx-type cats. You Mm -hmm. know, they're not huge. You know, lynx or bobcat, they don't have mountain lions like we have in the U.S. They they certainly don't have lions and tigers, but they still had the lore of the Yule cat being huge and big, and they still had probably tails from the mainland, because the Norse people really did travel around the entire world. They made it as far as Russia. They made it down to Turkey. And they would have had direct experience with some of these large animals. And they would have come back home with these tales of giant cats that would eat people. Oh, I was going to
0: ask you where you thought that came from. And you totally, like, read my mind with that line. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they would have come back with these tales. And then these tales would have gotten spun and spun, and spun, and made bigger, and out of control, and bigger than life, and then people would have these wonderful things to steer their children with.
0: That's amazing, yeah, because I was like, why is this cat always portrayed, like, bigger than the house? It's trying to eat the person, and kind of, oh, that makes sense, I like
1: that. Yeah, it's one of the things about Norse tales, the sagas, is just like people in today, they exaggerate the stories to make them believable. Mm -hmm. When you think about, like, the Rambo movies, right? there's this one dude that is getting shot at by 50 guys and none of these guys can hit him, but every single one of his shots take out the other guys and he seems to have this superhuman strength and superhuman prowess to defeat all the bad guys. Well, the Norse told the same stories about themselves. When we went to these faraway lands and we did these things, well, we were being attacked by 200 men and we only had five guys, but we took them all out because, you know... They did the same kind of exaggeration to make their stories more interesting and, and wonderful to listen to, and that's what would have happened with the Yule cat. just got bigger and bigger over the years. You know, fish stories.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I love... Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So how does the Yule cat fit in with the Yule lads, then? Everything is Yule. It's really simple. It's like Yule lads, Yule cat, Yule goat, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, the Yule lads are
1: so strange to me the Yule Lads are kind of fun the Yule Cat is you know the offspring of Gorilla and Lupulaudi oh the cat is too the cat is yep and so are the Yule Lads so you know these two trolls are really busy getting it on having 14 kids yeah and a cat (laughs) 13 kids and a cat you're right
0: 13 kids and a cat okay
1: 13 Yule Lads and one cat Now, the Yule lads are like these mischievous little brats that would come down one a day, just one a day, and it would hang out for the time of Yule. And when it came to your home, it would just mess with you hardcore, right? It would, you know, instead of a kid getting a lump of coal for Christmas, they'd get like a a rotten potato, and, and, you know, this is like what we talked about. You were in one house. You couldn't go anywhere. All of your food was stored in one place. So if you go to get, like, a, one of the roots vegetables out of there and it's rotten, well, that must be the work of a Yule Ladd. Mm, okay. And, and so it's, they, they caused madness. They drove people crazy, which goes along with being stir-crazy. You're stuck inside of a house. You can't go anywhere. And this was a time when people did not try to explain psychology, they did not try to explain illness as something as born of the human body, it was some external influence, it must be the spirits, it must be the fairy folk, it must be the Yule lads, you know, it's the Yule lads playing these tricks on you. And it was also a way, like maybe you're stuck in this house with somebody and you have your favorite locket or your favorite piece of jewelry and somebody takes it away and you can't find it, well it was a Yule lad that did it, Right. So that way you don't get in trouble. It was just kind of this mischievous prankster way of dealing with each other for at least 13 days of the Yule Tide. You could just Hmm. blame all the crap going on inside the house on one of these Yule lads. I'm totally using that
0: on Jordan all winter. I'm just
1: throwing that out there. But the fun thing is, all of them have these fun little names.
0: Yes, I just discovered that they actually all had
1: different names and personalities. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and, and their names are associated to the ways that they harass you. Like, uh, Skeller is the door slammer. Guess what the door slammer does to drive you nuts? And I
0: assume
1: slam some doors? Exactly. <laughs> and then there's Skirgamer. The uh, skewer gobbler, or as we would say, the yogurt eater. <laughs> so, in Iceland, they like to have skier for breakfast. It's a, it is a very thick yogurt type substance. It's got a lot of protein and healthy fats to it. I, I think it, to me, it's a more healthy alternative to yogurt. Okay. And so, skewer gobbler would come and eat all of your skewer. <laughs> and somebody gets up in the middle of the night and has an extra portion of skier. No, we were f- visited by Skirgamer last night.
0: Oh. Uh, at least you can use it once. That works. I like that. Okay, who else is there? I, I am, like, I'm so excited.
1: How about Gluggeiger? the window peeper? Oh.
0: Sounds like
1: a creep. Yeah, it sounds like a creep, right? <laughs> or how about The doorway sniffer? <laughs> the sniffer? Sniffer He smells at the doorway He's got a big huge nose And then he uh, uses it to kind of find the the bread So that he can steal the bread away
0: Oh, okay
1: (laughs) And here's a a fun one Kettle croaker Meat hook
0: Okay, that
1: sounds creepy again Doesn't it? There we go, that would be a great horror movie, right? A companion the Krampus Is the meat hook he uses the meat, to, the hook to steal meat, but come on, uh, you can see a slasher no. movie out of this one, can't you?
0: Totally.
1: And you know they all have different things like uh, candle stealer, sausage stealer, bowl liquor, licker, spoon liquor, licker, <laughs> you know, pot scraper. It's
0: just, I mean, I might be okay with the pot scraper.
1: Yeah, that, that. <laughs> that one I might be okay with. Yeah. So they they all come into your house one at a time, day after day. To drive you nuts by slamming the door, eating your yogurt, taking your sausage, uh, peeping at you through the window, sniffing your doorways. Yeah,
0: It's just so oddly specific.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you got nothing better to do than tell these great stories over these, these time periods. <laughs> sure. But here's what's so fun about this. Right about the 1700s, it was not not quite banned, not quite outlawed, but it was highly discouraged to tell these tales to the kids anymore. Oh. Because the kids got so afraid. These stories were told for so long, generation after generation, the kids were so afraid of them that they refused to leave the house during the Yuletide. Oh, no. The kids just would not go outside. I mean, yeah, granted, in some of the parts of the town, you can't get out. Yeah. But, you know, by the 1600s, 1700s, you're more developed in the cities, yeah. you got more capability of getting around, but the, the stories persisted, the folklore persisted, mm-hmm. and now you got kids that just won't go to the market, won't go to do anything, because gorillas out there, Yule Cat's going to get me, oh, no. they just wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm
0: just like trying to picture that proclamation going through town, it's like, hey, don't scare the children anymore, it's like, but that's kind of the whole point of these stories, and has been for hundreds of years. So I'm like, that's so funny
1: to me. I'm like, that's the whole point. Now here's a a little side note about Yule and why it's such a fantastic time for ritual. Is if we actually even look at modern physics, this is kind of one of my little things I like to talk about Yule is with modern physics, that the faster an object moves, the more energy it has. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? more relativistic, relativistic energy it has. The slower it has, the slower that object moves, the less energy it has. Now, when we look at the earth going around the sun, if the earth is here in the middle, and the, or the sun here in the middle, and the earth is going around it, it's not a perfect circle. There's one time of the year where the sun and the earth are the closest together, and the earth is moving the fastest. And that's during midsummer, when it's going really fast around the sun. But when it gets farther away from the sun, For 12 days, the Earth is moving the slowest it ever moves around the sun. And it's that time from the winter solstice to the beginning of the year. Those 12 days, it has the least amount of energy. And if you get to the angular momentum about the the rotation of the Earth, when you're at the nighttime, you have the least amount of energy on the surface of the Earth. So there's like just quiet for energy time. So that would be an ideal, wonderful time to do some of those kind of dark night rituals, some of those darkest times of the year, mm. just because you have such little energy floating around, such little relativistic energy. So that may be also why some of these tales happened, right? This is where the the veil between the worlds could be the thinnest, is at the Yuletide, so that you have all of these demons, you have all of these spirits roaming everywhere, because you don't have the light of the sun. That is a huge thing in the Norse tradition. The trolls, the dwarves, the the dvalgur, the, the the zombies, wow. the dvalgur and the spirits were all chased away by the sun. Now you have days or weeks without sun and these things are roaming free everywhere. And you gotta do what you can to keep them at bay. Huh.
0: I never thought of it being, I guess it makes sense, obviously, but I never thought of it being more
1: prolific during winter, because it's darker. Now I'm like, well, that's, duh, that makes the most sense. So this is where I like to to stir it up a bit. You, hear, you have all of us goths out there going, hey, we want more Halloween, we oh, want more yeah. Halloween, <laughs> screw this Christmas yeah. stuff, right? And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to the Norse and the Germanic traditions, and you're going to get an even better Halloween around Christmas time because of just how scary these tales are because of just how much death and doom and gloom and yes. fear is all around so much. and I
0: mean, I mean like we've been talking about you know, older peoples and archit ar- oh, wow I can't talk farming lo- lifestyles you have to be really careful to survive through the winter even so it, it's just Funny to me that that's where all the dark creative come from. We're so used to it being just, you know, a quiet time of year with pretty lights and everything. And now, old school, demons and ghosts and
1: zombies. And children being eaten alive. I'm okay with that though. <laughs> They're more tender that way.
0: Thank you so much again for listening to another episode of My Haunted Life Podcast. You are one wonderfully sexy yule goat. A big thank you to Kedrick Olsen for being on the podcast and sharing his knowledge with us. You can find more about him and all of the paranormal and Norse mysticism work he does on his website www.kadrick.com that's kaedric dot if you like the podcast please rate and review me on your favorite podcast apps it goes a long way to helping other people find me a lot of you guys have been sharing me word of mouth and I appreciate you guys so much Please keep it up, (laughs) the Facebook group is really starting to hop now that we have some amazing admins over there, so I definitely think you should go check that out. With my time off, I got immensely busy with real world work, so I didn't get a chance to go through evidence again. But I have just decided to start posting the raw files on the Patreon, so anyone can start going through them and seeing if they find stuff, and I know personally, it's going to help me out a lot. I know a lot of you guys have been asking, and some of you have even offered, but I thought this might be a fun chance for everybody to get involved. Next week, I'll be back with Kadric as we talk about even more dark Yuletide creatures. There's so many. So, until then, make sure to put out your schnapps for Krampus, and I'll see you next week. Bye!